Hi, and welcome to the Vineyard Northwest podcast. At Vineyard Northwest, we aim to be a culture that welcomes heaven to earth by raising up world-changing kingdom leaders. We hope you enjoy this message from our senior pastor, Van Cochran. Hey, good morning, everyone. Good morning to everyone. Join us by live stream as well. Isn't that awesome? You know, God's good. God's in a good mood today, we used to say. And you know what? Uh, Mike was talking about seeing Jesus. Jesus isn't worried. Do you know that? He's not afraid about the future, and you and I don't have to be either. I have an announcement to make about a good friend of the church, Jim Freeberg. Uh, I think there's going to be a picture right there. Is Jim. Uh, Jim went to be with the Lord last week, last uh, Saturday uh, late Saturday night, early Sunday morning, sometime around in that range. And uh, he, he was a, just an important part of this church. Uh, Jim's been here for many years, started many ministries. Uh, he was involved in starting the Round Top Road House Group, um, healing rooms, the drive-through prayer, as you see the picture of him here. And as well, he was working on a thing called the Shepherd's Connection. And uh, when COVID hit, that was put on, on a side burner. But um, I just, I just want to honor Jim before you. I want to let you know we're going to have a, a memorial service for Jim on Monday evening, January 25th. That's a week from tomorrow. We'll be meeting here at 6.30 in the evening uh, with some of his family and friends from the church here just to, just to express remembrances of him. And uh, I can tell you this, Jim is dancing in heaven right now, okay? So he is dancing in heaven, and we don't have to worry about him. We're going to miss him, but we don't have to worry about him. So Father, uh, thank you for Jim's life. Thank you. Thank you, Father. Uh, we honor you because of raising up people like him. I pray that uh, as he comes into your presence, you would release anointing to raise up a dozen more like Jim. And Lord, start more and more ministries in this church body that will touch the hearts and lives of thousands and thousands of people. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, Jim, I think Jim likes my jokes. You know, some of you might not, but Jim did. And so I'm going to start with a joke today, somewhat in his honor, but I've been planning on telling this joke anyway. There was a guy that uh, was convinced his wife was losing her hearing, and he would talk to her about it, but she wouldn't admit it. She just denied that she was losing her hearing. So one day he decided to uh, do this experiment, and he, he walked into the kitchen. She's at the other end of the kitchen facing the stove cooking, and he said just in a normal tone of voice, honey, what's for dinner tonight? Total silence. So he walks halfway across the room, does the same thing. Honey, what's for dinner tonight? And again, total silence. So he walked right up behind her where he's close enough to, you know, she can feel his breath. And, and he says, honey.
We're in this short series on the Bible, on the Word of God, and I want to tell you the Bible's had an influence in my life since a very, very early days of my life. I remember in the Boy Scout magazine, um, Boy's Life, they published Psalm 23 in one whole page, and it has some flowery decorations around it, and I, and I cut that out, put it on the wall, and memorized Psalm 23 uh, when I was probably 8, 9, 10, 12 years old, and um, my, my family didn't go to church on a regular basis, but I did go to Sunday school. And so I learned a lot about the Bible in Sunday school. Uh, there was one time that uh, one of the, the ladies from the church who had been a Sunday school teacher asked me, she said, Van, do you have a Bible? And I said, I, no, I don't. So she pulled a pew Bible out. Anybody here old enough to know what a pew Bible is? Okay. If you're under 40, you probably don't know. <laughs> there used to be Bibles and hymnals, books that actually had all the words in them instead of these, putting them on the screen. And so she just gave me this uh, pew Bible. I said, I still have that in my office. Then some years later, another lady from the church gave me a Scof an old Schofield reference Bible. You know, not the new one, not the new modern liberal one, but the old conservative Schofield Bible. And uh, I read that for years. I'm just kidding. The new one was, you know, they're, they're both fine. But... Um, <laughs> The Bible was there. I learned stories about the Bible, but it really didn't click in my heart and mind until I actually accepted Jesus. And when I actually opened my heart to Christ, what Will was talking about earlier, I was remade. God remade me, and he made me someone to be in sync with heaven. And the interface for me was the Bible. Major part of the interface with heaven just is the Bible. And so you can read the Bible and you can learn things. You can learn facts. You can learn history. You can learn different things from the Bible. You can even get good advice from the Bible on problems that you face. But to really understand the Bible as a book from heaven, you have to have heaven's perspective. You have to have the Holy Spirit that works to take God's word and to wed it to this new heart God's given me so that it becomes part of this new heart, my new mind. So my mind is renewed. And, and then my mind begins to function in sync with the new creation that I am. And, and it releases the presence and life of God into my life so that I can release his presence and life into the lives of others. How many of you know that that's the goal? You know, it's not God's goal for any of us just to say, God's saying, boy, I just want to get your life good. I want to get you all, all taken care of so that you can be happy and, and live a happy, long, healthy life. He wants that, but he wants that so that we can share that with others because there's so many people that need to know Jesus and so many people in each of our lives that need to know Jesus. We've got to keep our hearts focused on that mission. If we don't, then eventually it just becomes all about me. It, be it can become very self-centered and, and just very egotistical and, and not really have the fruit that God wants, it to have, wants us to have. 1 Corinthians 2.14 says this. It says, the natural man does not grasp or receive the things of the Spirit. That's what will talking about the natural man that's how we're all born natural earthy uh, after Adam not after Jesus but when you accept Jesus you're taken out of Adam's family line and you're placed into the family line of Jesus so that your history actually changes 
so that your history from the point of knowing Jesus on, your history travels back to the cross of Christ. So that you can look at that and you can say, well, all that other stuff is gone. And my history is I died with Christ and I became a new person. And I am new now, and I have, I have heaven's life in me. And I, I can read the Bible now, and it feeds my soul. You remember last week, Luke referred to a verse in Luke 24 that said, Jesus opened the minds of the apostles to understand the scriptures. All right? So you get this new heart. You become new. Your new nature, your new person. Uh, your mind has the ability now, the capacity to grasp who God is and understand. But it still takes Holy Spirit illumination for your mind to actually engage with the Word of God in a way that you can truly understand it as a revelation from God so that it becomes part of who you are. And so... We need the Holy Spirit. Jesus said the Holy Spirit would be our teacher. So the Holy Spirit speaks to this mind that I have, and my mind is new also. It's just not completely formed yet. And the Word of God forms my mind and weds the truth with my heart so that I am a whole consistent being. And then we're going to talk about a third aspect of that in a few weeks, and that is my outward life, my actions, and how as my mind is renewed and brought into sync with the new nature that I have, how it affects my actions, and, and how that, that's really what the Bible's talking about when it talks about holiness or, or living out what we have in Christ. But when we think about the Word of God, we think about um, the truth and how God wants to use truth to change us. Uh, there's a place in Mark where Jesus said this. He said, be careful what you listen to. He said, be careful what you listen to. And the reason is, he says, the measure you use is the measure that will be given back to you. You see, what I listen to, when I listen to things and I receive them, that forms a filter in my mind. It, it forms a, a, a thought system that I use to evaluate the world. And if that thought system is cynical, if that thought system is defensive, if that thought system is angry or judgmental, then that's what's going to come back at me from the world. It's just a spiritual principle. If I live with a judgmental mindset, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to experience judgment. If I live with a cynical mindset, I'm going to experience the fruit of that. If I live with an untrusting mindset, people aren't going to trust me. That's just a spiritual principle at play. But as I thought about this, be careful what you listen to. I thought there are things that are just flat out harmful that we listen to or that we can take in. It, it doesn't just limit to listen, but watching with your eyes. What do you experience truth-wise? And harmful things would be gossip, rumors, uh, pornography, obviously, would, would be harmful. There are neutral things, things that aren't really bad, but they aren't really good either. In a dietary sense, we would call those empty calories. So it gets bad if that's all you do, is the neutral stuff. Because the more of that you do, the, the less of the good stuff you're going to do. And then there are good things that we take in, which is God's truth and the blessings that God has for us uh, through his word as we're focusing specifically on that today. But <clears throat> I do want to take a moment and just talk about how careful we have to be in this day 
uh, we have to be discerning in, uh, there's so much turmoil, political, social, anger everywhere, and anxiety, bitterness. Uh, rancor is, is just part of the culture today. You know, rejection, if you don't agree with someone, you don't listen to them, you reject them. And that, that's just ungodly. It, it's just, it's wrong. We have to be careful though, because there's so much of that coming at us. And, and so you have to be careful what you're listening to and what you're taking in. Jesus later says, be careful how you listen. And so the how is how I respond. It's I'm going to hear things that aren't good. There's no doubt about that. Just if I'm part of life, I'm going to hear things that are harmful. But do I just receive them into my heart? Be careful how you listen. We need to listen with discrimination. We need to listen with wisdom. And there are times we need to just mutter to ourselves. You hear a word of gossip or you hear someone spew out bitterness or anger. And I just need to say, I don't receive that. I'm not allowing that to come into my heart. I'm not going to receive that. And so caution with, with a focus on the good things, but caution in all the stuff we hear, the rumors. If The way to evaluate it even is this. If it's not coming from compassion, it's not coming from compassion. It might be factually true, but if it's not coming from a heart of compassion, I don't want to receive it. If it's not coming from a heart of love, God's love, God's love for me, God's love for others. If it's not coming with that, even though it might be factually true, I, I don't want to take that into my heart because I'm going to be taking a lack of love. If it causes fear and anger or if it distra distracts us from our mission, as I referred to earlier, it, the, these things are things we have to look for and because we're going to hear stuff. And sometimes things come at us and, and it really sounds like that's just, wow, that's so true. But if we look deeper... We're going we're gonna to say, no, you know what? That, that might be the facts, but I'm not going to receive that from this person because it's coming with anger. It's coming with a hook in their heart, with bitterness. And, and I don't want to open up my heart to that. Here's something that I think is very important to remember. <clears throat> we don't follow politicians, okay? Who do we follow? We follow Jesus. Okay, we need to remember that. <clears throat> follow Jesus, and Paul said, follow me as I follow Christ. So there might be some key people in your life that you know personally that are following Jesus, and you might say, yeah, I want to I follow in that path. I like the direction this guy's taking, follow, woman's taking following Jesus. But it's Jesus that we follow. Now, we support politicians in our culture, but we don't follow them. And at that, there's so much stuff coming at us through podcasts and um, live streaming and the, the newspaper and social media. We just have to be careful. What's the source of it? And I'm not saying what's the source as, as to, you know, did it come from these documents or those documents? But is it coming from the right heart? You have to evaluate that. In fact, there's a sense in which we ought to say maybe, I'm not going to follow anyone that, whose character I can't know personally. Now, let, let me say something like this. I, you know, I love Bill Johnson. I listen to Bill Johnson's messages. They've changed my life. They impact my heart. But I know people who know Bill. I don't know Bill Johnson personally, but I know people who know him. And we've had several people from our, uh, speaking here at our church, people who've stayed at my house that I've gotten to know who know him. And, and so I, I trust that there's good character there. 
But there's, it's so important. And we can't, just, we can't just say, well, boy, I like, I like that person's hair or I like the way they talk or I like, you know, I like the things or the things they say agree. I knew it all along. They were right. We have to be careful of the character that people have that are speaking to us and, 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 and what we're perceiving as truth, what we're taking into our hearts and our lives. So I just wanted to get that off my chest. Is that okay? You know, we can get good stuff, <clears throat> the word of God. You know, just the idea God loves you. He loves you so much. He cares for you so much. And there are people that hear that and they think, well, he might love other people. But if, he knew, if you knew me, you wouldn't be saying that to me. Problem there is we need to believe what God says, not what I feel like. And the Bible says in Hebrews that they heard the same gospel we do, which he was referring to the Israelites in the wilderness. But for them, it didn't benefit them because it wasn't mixed with faith. And so this whole idea of be careful how you listen is what are you going to put faith in? And, and so we can hear good things, but we don't put faith in it. And so we don't benefit from it. And we have to mix faith with truth. And when that truth is coming with the right spirit and, and, from, and, and from the right source, and we just say, okay, that's true. I receive that. I, you know, I used to think that, you know, when people said that, well, that's just kind of super, superfluous. You know, it's a kind of a religious statement, which it, it is kind of a religious statement in a lot of charismatic circles. You don't even have to say it out loud, but maybe you need to say that to yourself. When, when, when you want to exercise faith, there needs to be perhaps some demonstration of it. And, and maybe it is as simple as just saying to myself, that's right, I receive that. God, I want that in my heart. And so we mix faith with the truth that we hear. And when that happens, the word of God begins to open up to us. But the Bible also talks about being dull of hearing. And believers, when they don't mix faith... And when they listen to the wrong sources, we become, we can become dull of faith. That's in fact in, um, in Hebrews 5.11, it says, concerning him, Jesus, we have much to say, and it's hard to explain since you become dull of hearing. And so the Hebrews, for some reason, they weren't hearing right. They were like the guy that thought his wife was going deaf, and really he was the one that couldn't hear. And the problem is when, you, when you're dull of hearing, you probably think other people can't hear. You think, well, why, you know, they're going overboard with that, or they're, they're, you know, they're just way too religious, or, or uh, you know, I wasn't taught that as a kid. Why, why would, the, you know, that, that can't be right. And so being dull of thinking, dull of hearing, we, we wanna have, we wanna be careful what we hear, and we want to be careful how we hear it. But boy, when we hear truth coming from the right source, we want to lay hold of it. We want to mix it with faith. And, and you get to choose what you believe. Some people might say, well, I just can't believe that. No, you could believe that if you would choose to. You're choosing to look at life from a different perspective. And, and then you're saying, well, I can't believe that. But no, if you look at that, you could believe that. We get to choose. And from this new man that I am, 
this new heart that I have, this person designed and fashioned after the likeness of God, from that I can speak and I can, I, can, I can acknowledge, I can express faith in things that will have a life-changing impact on me because I am grasping the word of God from a supernatural perspective. And that's what, that's what God wants us to do. Now, there's a great verse in the Bible, 2 Corinthians 1.20, that talks about promises promises of God and um, I want to read that to you for in a moment but first I want to share something with you uh, you know a few weeks ago at the end of the service I shared that I saw so I had a picture of someone having uh, cooking and something splashed out of the pan on their arm and, and I had someone who was watching on live stream text me immediately and say they had burnt themselves just a few minutes earlier and, and how much it really encouraged them. And even at that, I didn't even say, I think God wants to heal it. I said, I think God wants to encourage you that he knows what's happening in your life. Well, uh, a, a week later, um, in addition to the person who texted in, someone came up to me and showed me their arm. And right here on their arm, there was one burn mark right there and another bigger burn mark right there. And she said, I, you know, I was cooking a pan, a, a, a pot, some grease splashed out on my arm and burned me. And then she said, and I was so discouraged. Not just because of that, I think there were some other things she implied, or I inferred at least that she was discouraged about. But she said, when you shared that, it just lifted my heart because God knows what's happening in my life. And God knows, God knows me and he cares about me. Isn't that awesome? That's so cool. Um, I, you know, th that was just a flitting thing, just, just, just like that a little picture in my mind. But another one, a few weeks ago, I had a picture of a guy sitting with his leg up. He had hurt his knee, and as he was watching the live stream even, it, he was just sitting there watching. And, and in that case, I said, I really think God wants to heal this. Well, last week, someone came up to me and said, that was me. Because, you know, like we throw these words out, and sometimes we have no idea. I mean, you just think, I hope that's right. You know, it's nice when you see the results, but oftentimes you don't. And, and sometimes we're just flat out wrong. And so that's okay too. But he said, that was me. He said, I was literally sitting with my leg propped up exactly as you said. And by the next morning, my, my leg was completely healed. It was, it was just fine. Isn't that cool? Yeah. I don't say that because of me, because this doesn't happen to me as much as it does to other people like Wilson and some others around me. But... Um, when we were worshiping earlier, I had a sense that God was healing people during worship. And specifically, I saw just a brief picture of someone who had a growth on their neck, on the left side of their neck, and that it was being healed as we were worshiping. And so what I want to ask is, is that true? Is there anyone here that had a growth on the left side of their neck? If you did, would you check it and see if it's gone? Anybody? Okay. Well, if it doesn't apply to anybody here, uh, you know, perhaps over live stream, I didn't know whether it would be here or live stream. And, uh, and it might even be someone who watches by live stream later. And so if that's the case, check it, see if it's gone, let me know. Okay, I'd really love to know. And then on the other hand, if I'm wrong, that's okay too. Because we're, we, we like to risk and we like to be on the edge of stuff. So that's why we do things like this. But back to this passage. Um, first, 2 Corinthians 1 and verse 20 says this. 
says, all the promises of God are answered with a resounding yes in Christ. So through Christ, we say amen to the glory of God. Okay, you get that. All the promises in the Bible are answered with a resounding yes in Christ. That means you're reading in the Old Testament and you see a promise where God says to someone who's in a dire situation, don't worry, I'm going to be there with you. You can take that promise. You can grab hold of that promise yourself because of this verse. It says all the promises are answered yes. So you look at that, God, can I have that promise? The answer is what? Yes. Yes. Let's all say yes. Yes. The answer is yes. And so you look at that promise and you say, then what am I going to do? It's God's word. I'm going to attach faith to it. I choose to attach faith to this promise. And, and, and then what I'm going to do is I'm going to begin to walk in the consciousness that I have attached faith to this promise and with expectation that God's going to work in my life through this promise. Let me give you an illustration of this. The Old Testament, there was a promise given to a king named Asa. And uh, he he was a good king, a great king. But towards the end of his life, he made some mistakes. He, um, you know, when he was young, they were facing this huge army. He, he He had nothing to lose, and he had a small army. And so there was nothing he could do. He didn't have any money to hire anybody else. So he called on God. And God gave him victory over this huge army where he was outnumbered, and he, and he won the battle. And because Asa trusted God, they then had 25 years of peace. So this guy rule, rules as king for 25 years, having seen this massive victory that God gave them right at the beginning of, of his time of rule and a, a time of peace and prosperity. So 25 years later, another massive army comes against Israel. Guess what he does? He forgets all about what happened 25 years ago. He forgets the fact that he's been living in faithfulness to God for those whole 25 years. And he realizes, I have enough money. I could hire a whole mercenary army to take these guys out. And so that's what he does. Instead of going to God, because now he has the resources. And and now he has so much to lose. To just say, God, I'm going to trust you. It it just didn't flow naturally for him. And so he hires this whole mercenary army to come and to fight the fight that God wanted him to fight. Then the prophet comes to him. And the prophet says, Asa, Asa, don't you know? He says, don't you know? God's looking for guys just like you. You've been living for God all these years, and now when you hit this big, massive problem, you forget what God did for you 25 years ago, and you try to handle it yourself rather than trusting him. And he said this, he said, don't you know God is looking for people just like you because he wants to, sh- he wants to show his power in this world. He wants to demonstrate his power in this world. Here's, how the, here's the verse, that, that uh, here's how it went. He said, don't you know the eyes, this is 2 Chronicles 16, 9. Don't you know the eyes of the Lord run to and fro throughout the whole earth to show himself mighty on behalf of those whose hearts are loyal to him? 
uh, the old translation um, was perfect, whose hearts are perfect towards him. It doesn't mean perfect in the sense of sinless like Jesus was. It means more in, this, in the realm of loyalty. But he says, the eyes of the Lord run to and fro. That means God is constantly on the lookout for people who are facing big situations too big for them, but that their, their life is on a trajectory towards him they're loyal to him, not perfect, but loyal to him so that he can pour his power out on their lives and demonstrate his goodness and his love and his power to them. Now, the idea of loyalty does not mean perfection because the very next thing, you know, you know what Asa does to this prophet? Wouldn't it be nice if I could say, and Asa repented and he blessed this prophet, but that's not what he does. He gets angry and he throws the prophet in prison. And then later it says that he had faced another big problem and rather than trusting God, he, he went to his own devices. But then he dies and do you know what the Bible says? As it's summing up his life, it says Asa was loyal to the Lord all the days of his life. It's important to recognize that because loyalty from God's perspective isn't, does not mean perfection. It's direction. Okay, he was moving in the direction of God, stumbling along the way, making mistakes, getting sidetracked. I remember once as a Boy Scout uh, going on this long hike, we are going to go camp out, and how I was one of the older guys, but how the younger guys would all wander off the trail. And every once in a while, I'd say, where's Joey? And someone would have to go back and find him and bring him along. It's like that. You know, we're, we're all headed the same direction, and we're moving that direction. And some of us get sidetracked here or sidetracked there. We stumble. But, but we're all headed the same direction. That's what loyalty is in God's eyes, is that you're moving towards him. Does that make sense? Now, why is that important to know? Because otherwise, you're going to look at this promise, and you're going to say, oh, I don't qualify. I'm not perfect. I don't, I, you, have to, you have to be loyal. And I... The other night, I, I looked at porn. I wasn't loyal. The other night, I, I, you know, I, I stayed up and watched too much TV, or I did this, or I did that. I wasn't loyal. That's not what God's looking for, not perfection. He's looking for someone whose heart is committed to saying, I'm going after God. And Asa's heart, in spite of the mistakes he made, was committed to going after God. And so here's a promise. Who wants it? Who wants it? Eyes of the Lord. He's looking for people that are loyal. His eyes run to and fro. You know what that means? He's eager. He's serious about this. He's lo he, he, he wants to find you. He wants to find you. And he wants you to trust him with whatever situation you're facing so that he can pour his power out. He can pour his life out. Do you know, God needs us here on, God can act what we would function, what we would call sovereignly. And by that, what I mean is he is the sovereign. And so he can just say, he can just brush everything else aside and say, here's what we're doing. Boom. That's sovereign. That's a sovereign act. Normally what he does is he acts in response to his people. He put us here. He told Adam and Eve rule this earth. He didn't say, okay, I'm going to come down, I'm going to run this place for you. He, he told them to run it. And so he can interject himself anytime he wants. But his normal process is, hey, there's someone whose heart's loyal to me. They're facing this problem and they're calling out to me. 
They're saying, God, you, did, you said this in 2 Chronicles seven fourteen, and I want it. I want it in my heart, not 7, 14, um, 16, 9. I want that in my life. And I'm looking to him in faith, and he's saying, okay, angels, get set. I'm going to release you right now. You're taking power with you, or however he wants to do it. He can do it through angels, just directly the Holy Spirit, however. But he responds to us looking to him and saying, God, I know I could try to manipulate my way through this situation, but I've done that in the past. That hasn't worked. And when I've called out to you and you've gotten involved, wow, it's so awesome to see. God, here's this problem. Do you know, whatever problem you're facing is just an opportunity for God to show how big he is. Do you know that? Whatever situation, whatever problem you're facing is an opportunity for God to show how powerful and how great he is and how much he loves you. And you don't have to be perfect to tie into that. So again, who wants this promise? I want it. I've based much of my life on this very promise in this verse and major decisions we've made. And I've just said, God, I know I'm not perfect, but my heart's been pointed towards you the whole time. And, and I'm going to take this step because I believe you're having me take it. And I know it doesn't make sense in the natural realm, but I'm going to trust you with the outcome. And seeing God do amazing things in our family's life and in our lives as we've made decisions that way. But this, this is how God wants to interact with us around his word, where the Holy Spirit is revealing things to us. And I think sometimes we become just almost overly familiar with the Bible, and, and therefore we think, well, there's nothing more for me to learn here. I've studied that so many times. And not only is that pride, um, and I need to humble myself, but it's just, it's just, it's limiting your perception of who God is. When you make that choice and, and you say, okay, I've read this so many times, I'm going to skip it. A, a few years ago, I was kind of in that frame of mind. And I don't know if God spoke to me or I just decided to do this, but I thought, I'm going to read passages that I know so well, I don't even want to read them again. I'm just going to do that for a few months, and I'm just going to read them over. And, and so I started reading John 4, The Woman at the Well. And I just started reading it every day, saying, Lord, show me, show me something. Open my eyes to see something here I haven't seen. Because you know there's an infinite depth to it. And just because I haven't seen it yet doesn't mean it's not there. There's not some wonderful, powerful thing there. And then one day, my mind, my eyes stuck on this verse where it said uh, that this well was near the parcel of ground that Jacob had given to his son Joseph. And I thought, why, the, why does it say that? You know, why would it say that? And as I meditated on that, here's what came to me. Joseph had been stolen from his father. His father had mourned for him for years, thinking Joseph was gone. And then Joseph was ultimately restored to him. That's how Jesus viewed this woman. Not as a woman who had been married five times and can't, you know, can't keep a marriage going. Nothing like that. Not as a sinful, immoral woman, but as a woman who had been abused in many respects, but as a little child, a little girl, a little baby that had been stolen from her father and her father wanted her back. And if I, if I hadn't read that passage eight or 10 times, eight or 10 days in a row, just asking God, speak to me through this, I wouldn't have gotten that. 
But that's how the Holy Spirit works. He takes things sometimes that are so familiar to us in Scripture, and he gives us a new revelation into it that will impact and change our hearts and the way we view life, ourselves, and other people. And so there, there is this whole pride thing that we can get wrapped up in there that keep us from um, really engaging with Scripture. There's inferiority. Um, you know, when God spoke to Gideon, said, you valiant warrior, and Gideon said, what, me? You know, I'm from the smallest tribe. How could I, how could I do anything? And wait a second, if you're with us, why are we experiencing all this? Isn't that pertinent for today? Gideon said, if you're really with us, then why are we in the mess we're in? And by the way, where are all the miracles that we read about, that we've heard about? Why aren't they happening today? And you know what God says? God doesn't answer those questions, but he says, I'm going to send you, Gideon. And Gideon says, what? I'm from the smallest tribe. My family's totally insignificant, and I'm the little brother. I'm the youngest one in the house. And little brothers don't get to you know, deliver nations. He had a problem with his, with his sense of inferiority. You know, it's so easy for us to look at our lives and say, well, I didn't do well in college or I never, I didn't graduate from high school or I, you know, I, I don't, I read slow. I read slow. Let me tell you, Lori and I are reading the same thing. She's done. I'm halfway through the page and she's done. But, you know, I'm, I'm not smart enough. I'm not wise enough. I'm not personable enough. You know, God might do that for somebody else, but not for me. That's all self-image issues. And you know what the solution to that is? your identity in Christ. You are made new. You are not, your, your history doesn't go back to your elementary education any longer or what happened to you on the playground. Your history goes back to the cross. So just, just the idea of inferiority can, can keep us. I think that one of the biggest things that can keep us from really grasping scripture is offense. Taking up offense against others. Here's a verse in Second Peter, First Peter two. He says, "Therefore, rid yourselves of all malice." That's a powerful word. Deceit, hypocrisy, envy, and all slander. Get rid of all that. And he says, "Like newborn babes, long for the pure milk of the word, so that by it you may grow in respect to salvation." You see, these things like malice, deceit, envy, hypocrisy, slander, I'm just going to lump these all together and I'm going to talk. just say taking up a heart of offense, being offended by something or someone else. And you know, have you ever been offended by someone and then later you found out they really didn't do what you thought they did? They really didn't say what you thought they said, but you were, your heart was really offended. Anybody? I've done that. Done that where for years I thought that and I finally get it straightened out with a person. I think, wow, I wasn't really actively mad at you, but I did have kind of like a low grade something going on there because every time I thought of you, I thought, you know, what a jerk you are, you know? (laughs) So it can be something that's not even real, but if you make it into an offense, it hinders you from grasping the word of God because it, it separates your heart. It, it messes your heart up. And you know what that means? How many of you hate the Pittsburgh Steelers, by the way? Okay, well, see right there. Don't, don't even bother reading the Bible if you hate the Steelers. 
take up a spirit. You can take up a spirit of offense. I remember back in the 70s when the Steelers and the Raiders had this vicious rivalry going on. There were players on the other team that I would, I mean, I was just hoping they'd break a leg. That, you, we got to get that out of our hearts. You might be watching a television show where you take up a cause against the villain. You got to get that out of your heart, even if it's not real. I mean, the, even, even if the object isn't real, if you have bitterness in your heart and resentment and anger uh, and offense, it's going to affect how you interact with the Word of God. So there's so many good things that God has for us so many good things in his word that he has for us. And I, I want you to stand with me. I'm going to pray. Just pray blessing for anyone that just wants to have a deeper understanding of the word. So, so just say with me, if there's anything in your heart, if there's any offense towards anyone, just dump it right now. Just say, God, I give that up. Just tell them, I give that offense up. I bless that, Father. I bless the repentance that's happening. And if there's any sense in which you've been proud and you've thought, well, I know that's what the, the Romans says or I know that's what uh, Hebrews says, but it can't be true uh, because I don't agree with it. Just humble yourself and just admit, just admit if God's word is true, you're gonna submit to it. You're just gonna follow it. Just tell them that. And I pray, Holy Spirit, illumine our minds. Be our teacher. Take us into wonderful and awesome and amazing things that we, can, we get to see and experience through reading your word and opening our hearts up to your word. In Jesus' name, amen. 